Good morning, everyone. Good welcome. morning. Welcome. We are glad that you are here today, and uh, we welcome you. We welcome our, our guests, especially this morning, and uh, hope that you'll feel very much part of our family as we worship the Lord together. I uh, have a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, uh, let me remind you of our attendance sheets that are on, each, on the end of each row. We'd like to ask, if you would, to pass that down and uh, sign that and put your name and address and email address, especially if you would like to receive our weekly email newsletter that comes out every Thursday. If you would put your email address on that, then we'll be, gl be glad to put you on that list. Uh, if you could do that and so we could have a record of your attendance, we would certainly appreciate it. Uh, before you do that, though, you, may, you will notice that on each clipboard there are some sign-up sheets for focus groups. Uh, many of you know that we have been uh, uh, going through a visioning process here at Community Baptist Church. We had a deacons and church council retreat last weekend. And, uh, and now we want to do some focus groups around some of the information that we have gleaned. Uh, Phyllis McElwain is going to lead some groups for us. And so uh, if you would like to be a part of one of these focus groups, please sign that, sign up on that sheet. And there's a place for you to put that in the foyer as you leave today. And we need a lot of input uh, today uh, for, for the information so that we can, it can help us to, to grow and to, and to seek the direction that God would have us to go here at Community Baptist Church. Just a couple of other announcements that I have. Uh, first of all, uh, tomorrow there will be an ecumenical service at Holy Name Catholic Church at 6.30, and everyone is invited to attend that, and that is um, in celebration of the Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and uh, there's going to be a gospel choir there, and I think it's going to be a great time together. And next Sunday, our children will be having a kids' movie day right after church, and so uh, any of you kids... I hope you'll stay right after church and, and have some, I think, some pizza and, some, and uh, watch a movie here at church. Uh, one other thing I'd like to, to mention, um, I want to, to extend a great thanks to those who have participated in our new uh, stripper ministry. <laughs> you should have seen the preachers stripping yesterday. <laughs> And the waxers, the waxers didn't do too bad either. <laughs> you may notice that, uh, that the floor has, uh, has a different shine to it. Uh, we had uh, a bunch of, of uh, men and women and, uh, that were stripping the floor and polishing the floor and waxing the floor the past week. They've been working awful hard. We're almost there. Mark says we need about six, about six people this afternoon, about 2 o'clock, and I think we can get finished up. So... Thank you to everybody who has participated in that. Uh, it, uh, you know, all this time, I thought that floor was yellow. <laughs> uh, so we're, it, it looks great, and we, we really appreciate that. Um, we're glad that you are here today, and we're here to worship the Lord. So, uh, uh, and we're here to fellowship with God and to fellowship with one another. So let me invite you to stand up and uh, shake the hands of the people around you. Find somebody you don't know and introduce yourself to them this morning. Great and mighty is the risen Lord. Great 
mighty is he. Great and mighty is the risen Lord. Great and mighty is he. Great and mighty is the risen Lord. Great and mighty is He. Great and mighty is the risen Lord. Great and mighty is He. Little better than the anthem tree. Praises to our King. Great and mighty is the risen Lord. Preacher's going to talk to us today about Jesus coming into our hearts, deep into our hearts. He calls it being basted into our hearts and leading us to change lives. 
Now, you all might remember last Sunday when I did the prayer moment, I, talk, I gave you a doggy story. And I talked about going to Bowling Green to rescue a dog because the dog's time was up. If somebody didn't come, he was going to be executed. He was going to be killed because the shelter was full. He was aggressive toward other dogs. In short, he was not all he could be. He was not doing what he was bred to do, what God wanted him to do. And you know, like Jesus, we're like that. Without Jesus, we're not what we could be. We can't reach our full potential. Remember the balloons two, years, two weeks ago? Without Jesus, we can't rise and soar. But there's another part of the dog's story. The dog's name was Dexter. And you remember I petted him and he was not aggressive and he responded. And you know what I did? I told him to follow me. Just like Jesus tells us to follow him, I told Jesus to, uh, Dexter to follow me. And guess what? Dexter made the choice to follow me. Just like we've got to make a choice to follow Jesus. He made the choice to follow me. And guess what? He got into my car. Just like we can get Jesus into our heart, Dexter got into my car and he allowed me to take him to my home and my wife's home where he can be all he can be. Where he can have a full, exciting, fun life. And we've got pictures up there showing him playing with the other dogs. And that's just like us. We can be all we can be and we can have Jesus lead us to a fun, fulfilling, satisfying life if we let Jesus come in deep to our hearts. Would y'all like to meet Dexter? Yeah, Dexter's here. Come here, Dexter. Come here, buddy. That's my lovely wife, Ann. And that's Dexter. Look at him. Isn't he a good dog? And that's what we can be. He's, now then he's doing what he likes to do. And that's what we can be when we let Jesus baste himself into our hearts. But he won't come in there if we don't let him in. So let's just let him in and baste him into our hearts. And if petting Dexter wasn't enough of a treat, I've got yet some more treats for you.
You may be seated. Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, and the prophet of Joel, chapter 2. Reading first from the Gospel of Matthew, verses 1 through 6, and verses 16 through 18. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And then from the prophet Joel, chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Let us pray together. We have come to this place today to worship and to bow down before our God the God of creation, of salvation, of vocation. And so let us come before our God confessing our need for inner cleansing. Let us come asking God to search us and to try us and to see if there is any wicked way within us. Let us come with repentance that is real and not just a show put on for others. Let us come asking God to purify our purposes to forgive our fallenness, and to restore the joy of our salvation. Then we can leave this place again, assured of God's presence and God's power, and as witnesses to the world of God's love. Amen. Please read responsively with me. Responsibly. What's that word I'm looking for? Responsively. That's the word. Lord, I praise you. You heard my cry. When anger and loneliness loitered in the halls of my soul. You heard my cry. When the future seemed too far away to bring comfort. You heard my cry. When there was nowhere to turn. When I was paralyzed by nightmares and I wept by midday for fear of the night. You heard my cry. When my hand reaches out to yours and I feel the nail-pierced scar, I give thanks because before I was ever born, you heard my cry. Amen. Yeah. 
God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy our pardon. An empty grave is there to prove our Savior lives. Thank you, Lord, for loving us this much. Help us to express our love for you through our tithes and offerings. Bless those who give and bless the gifts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Aren't we blessed to have such talent in this church? I dropped my cross. (laughs) Pastor Chris Medlowski tells a wonderful true story about uh, a baptism that he once performed on an infant named Eric. As usual, Mitlowski took Eric up into his arms and traced the sign of the cross on Eric's forehead using a, a special kind of anointing oil. And then after the worship service, Eric's family celebrated with a, a big backyard party. Family and friends ate hamburgers and hot dogs and played volleyball under the summer sun. And meanwhile, Eric, who was only six months old, was left to nap in his stroller. But when mom went to get him up, whoops, basted on Eric's forehead was the image of the cross. It seems that mom had forgotten to wash Eric's face after his baptism, and the oil that the pastor had used to trace the sign of the cross onto Eric's forehead acted as the opposite of a sunscreen. And so the cross of Christ was imprinted on Eric's forehead. For several weeks, until it completely disappeared, said Reverend Mitlowski, The cross was a wonderful reminder as to the meaning of baptism and a reminder that the cross of Jesus was written upon Eric's forehead. And what a powerful witness it was. Eric's mom and dad had to explain that cross to the pediatrician, to the neighbors, and to the stranger in the grocery store. For weeks, Eric was nothing less than a living children's sermon. It was only a bit of a sunburn, to be sure, but it was the best basting that a child could ever have to be marked with the cross of Jesus Christ. But you know, if I read the little book of Joel correctly, God's desire is not so much that we wear a cross upon our foreheads or even around our necks, but that the cross of Jesus Christ would be basted onto our hearts. The prophet Joel tells us in chapter 2, verse 13, that we should rend our hearts and not our garments. In other words, make sure that your religious devotion is true to your heart and not just an, an outward expression. But you know something, that's not always an easy thing to do, is it? It can be very hard to do that. It's so much easier for us to to rend our garments than it is to rend our hearts. It's so much easier to wear a cross around our necks than it is to bear it daily in everything that we do. Just a few years back, we witnessed a bloody conflict in the Balkans between Christians and Muslims And don't assume that the Christians were the good guys. One of the most notorious killers of Muslims was a man by the name of Arkin. And when he was interviewed by a journalist named Martin Bell, Arkin pulled open his shirt to expose a large cross on his chest. And he said, see, I am a Christian. Well, folks, let me tell you something. Just because you wear a cross around your, on your chest does not mean that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And the fact is that it is much easier to wear your piety as an outward fashion statement than it is to love God and to love your neighbor in the privacy of your own heart. In fact, some people use that outward expression of religion as a substitute for their inner devotion. And so it's no wonder that Jesus taught, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand on the street corners and in the synagogues to be seen by others. And when you give and when you fast, I tell you the truth, those who parade their their piety for public consumption have already received their reward. And so what does this tell us? Well, it tells us that we should be very careful about our Christian discipleship. It tells us that we are not here today just to be seen by others. 
And we are not here today for a a sham kind of religion. No. We are here today for the purpose of focusing on the meaning of our lives in light of the cross of Jesus Christ. In other words, we are here to base the cross of Christ onto our hearts. For you see, Jesus gave his life for us. In the movie, The Last Emperor, a young child is anointed as the last emperor of China. And this young emperor lived in the life of luxury with a thousand servants at his command. His brother asked him once, what happens when you do wrong? And the boy emperor proudly replied, when I do something wrong, someone else is punished. And to demonstrate this unique power, the boy intentionally broke a vase and and one of his servants took the beating that the boy himself deserved. You know something? When you think about it, that's really the way the world usually operates, isn't it? That's the, world, that's the way the world usually works. The weak are often, they often take the punishment for the strong. The CEO walks off with millions while the employees of the bankrupt company walk away empty-handed. But folks, that's not the way the kingdom of God operates. For you see, the cross turns our understanding of life upside down. And the cross tells us that it is the emperor, it is the CEO of the universe who takes the punishment that should have been ours. Can you get your mind around that? That's the gospel. That is the good news that we celebrate today. On that old rugged cross, Jesus Christ took our sins upon himself and did away with them once and for all. Now, Some people are offended by the cross. There are many people, many of those people who are offended by the cross that are in the church. In fact, there are some churches being constructed these days where a cross is nowhere to be found. Great preacher and and teacher Fred Craddock spoke to this on one occasion. He said, sooner or later, someone is going to say to you, then what happened to Jesus? And when you tell them the truth that Jesus came to Jerusalem, as a 33-year-old idealist, stirred the city up and the city turned against him and put him on trial and executed him, some people are going to back away from that. Can't we just leave that part out? Can't we just focus on the positive stuff? People aren't interested in a man who died like that. It's It's a terrible growth strategy for the church. All that morbid suffering and bleeding and dying. Then Craddock went on to describe a big megachurch in California that told, of, uh, told the architect for their new building that we don't want any crosses. We don't want anybody to think weakness or failure. Some people want us to be a Dale Carnegie meeting, not a church. Some people want us to be a motivational rally and not a a community of redemption and sacrifice. But folks, let me tell you something. The most precious symbol that the church can have is the cross. Our faith was born in failure. Our faith was born in rejection and despair. According to the standards of the world, it's not considered a positive thing to have people turn against you and to be arrested and put on death row. People chalk that up to a failed life, but that's exactly what happened to Jesus. So folks, if you've ever failed at something in your life, if you've ever been rejected by someone, if you've ever despaired over the condition of the world or over the condition of someone you, lo- you love or over the condition of your own life, then you can take heart in this. God has been where you are. The cross is a symbol of hatred, scorn, rejection. 
But it's not the last word on these emotions. The empty tomb is God's final word on our lives. But none of that would have been possible if it were not for the cross. In Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11, we have possibly the best example of who Jesus is and why he came to us. And what is the key to this message? That even though Jesus was equal with God, he humbled himself and he took the form of a slave. A slave. Did you hear that? Jesus did not come just as an ordinary man. He humbled himself to the point that he became a slave for us. Nothing was beneath him. Not even the humiliation and the death that he suffered on the cross. And the reason why is because he knew that it would bring redemption to us. As someone has said, we often try to fix our problems with WD-40 and duct tape, but God did it with nails. And that's why we're here today, isn't it? We are here to focus on the cross of Jesus Christ, not to focus on our dreams and our ambitions, but to focus on God's dreams and God's ambitions for us in light of what Christ has done for us on the cross. An unknown writer helps us appreciate what this means in an analogy from the Masters Golf Tournament. He notes that when we think of the Masters, we often think of golfing greats like Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas, Nicholas and Tiger Woods. But there's one name that will probably never surface in a conversation about golfing legends, and that name is Doug Ford. As a matter of fact, does anybody in here know who Doug Ford is? Anybody? I didn't think so. Very few people have any idea that Doug Ford won the 1957 Masters Golf Tournament. He never won another green jacket after that, and he hasn't even made the cut since 1971, which, by the way, was four years before Tiger Woods was born. However, Doug Ford is invited to play in the Masters every single year. For you see, the rules of the Masters include a lifetime invitation to every champion of that event. Now, Ford only won once. He hadn't qualified in nearly three decades. Nevertheless, he gets to play in the greatest tournament of all, every single year because on one single occasion he won the green jacket. All Doug Ford did was win the Masters one time to earn a lifetime of privilege. But my friends, here's something that's even more amazing. We get to share in the riches of God's glory for all eternity, not because of anything that we did, but because of what Christ has done for us. We didn't even win once in our struggle against sin, but Christ won in our behalf for all time, and that makes all the difference in the world in our lives. Donald Tuttle of the First Christian Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, tells about a skit that he once read. It was about a man named Sam, and Sam was a Christian, but that was not foremost in his life. And then one day, Sam ran into Jesus, and Jesus asked him to deny himself and to take up his cross. Well, as you might expect, Sam was a bit reluctant to do this, he, uh, but he eventually agreed. And to help Sam, uh, help Sam out, Jesus literally gave him a cross to serve as a reminder. But the cross that he received was, was not a, a pocket-sized cross like you received when you came in this morning. Nor was it a cross on a gold chain that, uh, that he could wear around his neck and under his necktie. Uh, no, to, to make sure that Christ was at the very center of Sam's identity, J Jesus gave him a large, cumbersome cross, an inconvenient cross, to carry around with him. And so reluctantly, Sam took it. And Sam, the businessman, carried it with him to, to work. But it changed the way he went about his business. Ever since you got that cross, his boss told him, you haven't been making the kind of deals that put the company ahead. 
And he hadn't been because his identity in Jesus Christ was more important to him than his identity as a businessman. And so he didn't cut corners anymore and he didn't take advantage of his customers anymore. Followers of Jesus don't do that. But carrying the cross, it had a, cro- a cost. He lost a promotion because of it. Carrying the cross also changed his personal life. When Sam went out on a date, his identity as a follower of Jesus did not impress his girlfriend at all. As a matter of fact, it embarrassed her. Can't you just hide that for a minute, she asked. But he couldn't do that. It was who he was. It defined his identity. And hiding it, even for a moment, would be to deny who he was. And yet what Sam discovered was that when he denied himself... And when he took up that cross, and when his total identity was first and foremost that of a disciple of Jesus Christ, then Christ was always there with him. He recognized that. And what was lost paled in comparison to what was gained, because what was gained was that which puts our life in order. And that's why we're here today, isn't it? To put our lives in order. We want to put our lives in order. And and we know that it is counterintuitive that to save our lives, we must first lose them. And we know that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that to reign with Christ, we must first become a servant like Christ. And it baffles our minds when Jesus teaches us that In order to become the greatest of all, we must first become the servant of all. But we also know the shallowness and the emptiness of living our lives just like everyone else. And we know that there's something more. And we have come to believe that that something more is to be found in the life and in the teachings and in in the suffering and death and resurrection of this man named Jesus. And so it's my prayer today that as we take this cross, as we carry this cross in our pockets, or as we wear a cross around our necks or or hang it from our rearview mirror of, of our car, that that will not be the extent of our Christian devotion, but that it will merely be a reminder of what Christ has done for us. Our true prayer for today is that God will base the cross of Jesus Christ onto our hearts, not just around our necks, so that we may somehow live as Jesus lived, so that his will might be done in our lives. That is our prayer for each person in this room, that the cross of Christ would be so much a part of who we are that it would change our lives. Amen. We have come to that portion of our service where we will celebrate the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And we invite anyone who is a part of the family of God to observe the Lord's Supper with us. The table of Christ is open for all, and we invite everyone to participate. If our deacons could come forward and prepare for the Lord's Supper. When the hour came, he took his place at the table and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. We've been talking about the cross today, which I think is very appropriate uh, since we are celebrating the Lord's Supper this morning, because the celebration of the Lord's Supper is indeed a meal of remembrance, remembering what Christ has done for us on that cross. In the Old Testament, a sacrifice was required for the atonement of our sins, the sacrifice of a perfect lamb, an unblemished lamb. 
In the New Testament, Jesus offers himself to be that sacrifice. Jesus offers himself to be the perfect Lamb of God. And what we do here today in the celebration of the Lord's Supper is that we commemorate what the love that Christ has shown for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So as we take the Lord's Supper today, I want you to think about the cross. I want you to think about the cross of Jesus Christ. And I don't want you to think about the cross that is silver-plated or, or, uh, or adorned with jewels. I want you to think about that cross which is an instrument of death. Because my friends, that is where our focus should be today. As we, as we think about the extent of God's love for us, that he would die for us, and that his body would be broken, that his blood would be, be shed in our behalf. Thanks be to God for that kind of love for each of us.
the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread and he broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take it in. In the same way also, after the supper, Jesus took a cup. He said, this is the cup of a new covenant, the blood of a new covenant. I'm doing something new for you. This is, a, this is my blood that is shed for you, for your sake, for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Thanks be to God.
Thanks be to God for the love that God has for us, the never-ending love that even though we are sinners, Christ laid down his life in our behalf. We're going to sing a hymn of response in just a moment. Number 123, Jesus, thy boundless love to me. And that's what this is talking about. It's talking about the love of Christ for each one of us. And there may be someone here today who needs to make that commitment to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've experienced the love of Christ in your heart for the first time. And you need to make that commitment to Christ and accept Christ as your Savior. Maybe you need to make that commitment to follow in the ways of Christ. Because Christ has done something very special for you and laying his life down for you. Perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to come and unite with our church as we seek to be the people of God here in in Henderson, as we seek to follow the ways of Christ. If God is dealing in your heart in any way, we invite you to come as we sing together. Number 123, would you come? Please be seated for just a moment, except for you, Gary. You come up here. <laughs> I already know you guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, most of you know Gary Hahn. Uh, welcome back, by the way. Uh, Gary has, has been around here for a little while. He started coming to our church, and then he took off to uh, Indianapolis for some business and has come back. And are you kind of back and forth? Is that what right. you're About right? once a month. About once a month. And uh, and Gary has come to unite with our fellowship by transferring his membership from uh, his church in Lexington, I believe. And, and um, I, I'm sure that you will join me in welcoming Gary to our fellowship here at Community Baptist Church by raising your hand and saying amen. 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 Gary, this is something that I say to everyone who joins our church, and that is that we are all ministers in this church. We are family here. And as family, we minister to one another, um, and we are all gifted in different ways, and we reach out to one another, and we are the community of Community Baptist Church. And that means that in the days ahead, we look forward to the ministry that we have for you, but we also look forward to the ministry that you have for each of us. So we're thankful that you are with us, and we're grateful for you. Amen. Thanks. Uh, you'll want to come and speak to Gary after the service and welcome him uh, to to our church and to our fellowship. Let us stand for our benediction. Go from here believing that the Lord has heard all of our prayers, that the Lord will guide us continually and will satisfy our needs in the tight places of life. God shall make you strong and and you will be like a spring of fresh water refreshing others through the Spirit of God's love that is in you. For God goes with you. In Christ's name, amen.